0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Monger Recap here on November the eighth of twenty eighteen. I said re- recap really re- weirdly there. I liked there. it though. I was, I was stuttering. Say. Welcome to re- Weekly Monger Recap <laughs> in <didn't even> the <laughs> I don't even know what accent that was. It started off kind of Irish, and then it went somewhere else.
1: <laughs> for a moment, that was a boss-ass Porky Pig for a hot moment. We, we,
0: we, 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 we. I I can't do a good Porky Pig. No one can. Welcome welcome to us talking about the Japanese comics.
1: Have you uh, ever watched a video where the guy who does the voice of Porky Pig explains how he does it? And at the end, he's like, "It's fucking impossible," and that's why I'm never, never, I'm always gonna get paid.
0: Yeah, I've got job security for life because nobody else can talk like that. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe a beat boy sitting on the chair next to the desk or something like that. It's an awesome video. And it, it's I love it because it's he's just so confident and brief about it. It's like, I don't need to explain any further beyond that. You get it. He's <laughs>
1: like, you've seen the process. You can do it. Uh, <laughs> see, I may se- kill you.
0: <laughs> he just hunts down every person who's seen a viral video. He's like, he's they could never know. <laughs> they have to under, they have to assume it's
1: voodoo <laughs> oh he's just he's just smear campaigning when he goes into disney or the warner brothers like i think i can do a good porky pig and he like runs and he's like no that guy does voodoo <laughs> i've been eating that guy's voodoo and they're like well we can't have somebody practicing voodoo as porky pig
0: <laughs> just got like a voice director there he's like i don't know how he does it yeah <laughs>
1: gotta be some shamanistic tendencies
0: so. <laughs> we gotta talk to we gotta talk to Kerpifer about that it's like voice actors use magic right <laughs> no one actually sounds like that <laughs> uh okay so we got manga to talk about this week Chris right. uh it's uh the dream is uh has not ended yet we haven't woken up we still have a world trigger to talk about this week so yeah. but we got you gotta be patient for that you gotta have patience and you got to get through all the other stuff this week. And uh, for the most part, I think that we got a good batch of chapters. For the most part. I would
1: disagree, but carry on.
0: <laughs> well, we're going to start off with My Hero Academia, which uh, normally we're very high on, but you've been kind of frustrated with all of the constant fighting that's been going on. But uh, let's get into that. Recap portion of the manga recap. My Hero Academia. It's an Ida chapter, Chris. And mostly. I love Ida. Yeah. So this is chapter number 204, Tuning Up, which uh, last time Ida was going to use his new modified recipro burst to launch himself out of the ice. Uh, And uh, we get a flashback as he does that uh, conversation with uh, his brother, the original Ingenium. And uh, he seems to be in pretty good spirits, despite the fact that his mom's pushing him around in a wheelchair uh and so he says that you know it's about time that ida got a tune up to his engine it's something that uh basically requires um self performed bodily mutilation Like, that's what it looks like. He says specifically you rip out your own exhaust pipes and then you train and then you regenerate the exhaust pipes that are coming out of your legs. Fun.
1: Yeah. You know, just like you ever feel like your grip is not strong enough so you rip your fingers off (laughs) of one hand, you let the new ones grow in, they're stronger.
0: I know that the idea is that, you know, when you exercise muscles, you are tearing the muscles and then they grow back stronger. Or when you break a bone, it grows back stronger in that place. But um i don't know there's something about like i have an engine part sticking out of my leg so i have to rip it out
1: that and that he does it like alone in a forest <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, it's like me using surgical tools you're like,
1: ah! <laughs> just like one does anyone know that you're here two why a forest why the place with the most possibility like outside of a sewer of like getting like foreign infections in your newly opened wounds
0: I know. I will perform my surgery in the junkyard next to the tetanus-laced pipes. <laughs>
1: hope I don't mix them up. Oh, I'm sure I won't. <laughs> I'll be
0: very careful as I'm... He just, rust- just sticks a rusty pipe in the back of his leg. My exhaust pipe has been reinstalled.
1: <laughs> he comes back. He's just, like, covered in junk. He's like, now meet the new and improved ingenium.
0: It takes one step. Ow! Ow!
1: Oh, ow! ow. <laughs> Save me! Save Amputated, me! please! please.
0: <laughs> uh terrifying. So with this uh, improvement from uh, the surgery that apparently has been passed down through the EDA family, uh, he can now use his uh, reciproc burst with minimized fuel consumption. Uh, and so it will last now for up to 10 minutes, as opposed to just a few seconds that it would last before. Uh, it's also considerably uh, more powerful and faster. Which he demonstrates by running all the w- way around uh, Honikuzi or Mudman. It's easier to call him that. But uh, as he demonstrates, it's really difficult still for him to control it. Uh, he manages to, you know, get like a grazing blow on uh, on Mudman, uh, but he like does this weird arc all the way around him in order to do it. That doesn't seem very deliberate. So Mudman's like okay well uh this sucks and he just disappears into the mud uh and starts swimming through it uh very similar to that one fight in uh, golden wind actually um and uh yes basically he's just like oh okay i i don't think i can win this fight one one, so i'm going to go somewhere else bye and like, okay good 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 th- good thinking team battle sorry team competition uh so Ida decides, oh, I should go help someone else, too. Um, we got over to Ojiro, who is fighting the drill guy uh, and not doing so hot against him. Uh, they're engaged in hand to hand combat, uh, but the drill guy has support items uh, in his drilling things, whereas Ojiro just has a fucking tail. Uh, so he's not doing so well. Every time that he tries to attack, the guy deflects him and he gets hurt. And also, yeah, he's got his drills on his hands. Uh,
1: Isn't like tail dude supposed to be like a martial artist and like the yes. tail is just an extra like addition? And this it really feels like he's like, I'm just a dude with a tail. Yeah, really <laughs> like, does. You really forget this dude's supposed to be like an expert martial artist.
0: Like every time that he's brought up, they make a note of like, well, you just fight with like a guy with a tail. You don't you're not you need to actually work on your entire fighting style every single time that he's gotten to do something. It's like in the sense of like, yeah, he lost like um, his his part in the sports festival was just getting mind controlled by Shinso uh, and then warning Deku about it. Like he has like basically never gotten to do anything cool <laughs> I guess he did. I mean, he passed the provisional license exam, I guess, but he didn't really have a stand up moment in it. This is what happens when you're in, like, the bottom five most important characters in Class 1A, basically. Uh, so Ida just comes in and just freaking clotheslines Kaibara, the drill kid, in the stomach. And he's like, I'll put him in prison. Bye. And just runs off. Uh,. And he warns him that Mudman is probably headed towards Todoroki. So Ojiro should go ahead in that direction to try and support him. Uh, Kaibara says like, oh, hey, well, what are you doing going over here? You know, you shouldn't be interrupting my one on one fight. Shouldn't you be chasing after Hononuki? And Ida says, well, this is how my brother would proceed. So I will do the same. And if I cannot take proper action during training, then how can I hope to act when it counts? It's very sensible logic. Also, uh, well, I got
1: the one dude who was like, come on, man, we were fighting like men. And it's it like, over it's a final battle royale.
0: <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> how dare you interrupt my fight, teammate? <laughs> 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 I'm
1: sorry. I, like, how dare you interrupt the fight that I was far superior in? <laughs> that i had all of the advantage in
0: kind of the actual, actual inverse of that now that i think about it <laughs> joe is at least winning that fight it goes <laughs> <Close> to weight <laughs> um we've cut over to todoroki and tetsu tetsu. tetsu tetsu of course is just smashing through all of todoroki's ice and uh he even drops a lame superhero one-liner. My steel fist of justice is going to make ice cubes out of your defense. It's fucking lame. Beautiful. Uh, so Todoroki's like, all right, well, maybe I should try this instead. And he just unleashes a giant wall of flames instead, uh, which does have effects on the rest of the battlefield because uh, both uh, Sunatori and uh, you know uh, Shoji are right there. So Torek is like, all right, this should this should buy me a little bit of distance so that this guy doesn't keep trying to punch me in the face. And Tetsu, 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 Tetsu just walks through the fire and it looks pretty badass, I think, because he's just he looks like an, a horrible supervillain just coming out of the fire like a goddamn demon. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he's like, this this is what I did. I hardened my iron and like, you know, like metal in a furnace. And uh, so fire doesn't really affect me. Fuck you.
1: I mean, that's nonsense. Fire is intrinsically one of Steel type's big weaknesses. Without it, it'd be too strong, honestly. Yes. Tetsu Tetsu's balance is fucking whack.
0: <laughs> it's like that one episode of uh, of Pokemon before uh, the Johto games came out, uh, where there's the Crystal Onyx. And it's like, it's immune to water. This is bullshit. It's like, oh, we have to use fire against it. It's like,
1: are
0: you sure that's not a Celix? No. no.
1: Like, no, it's different. It's crystal, not metal. <laughs> it's like, a, there's a whole bunch of those. And like, especially the early seasons of the Pokemon, where they like have things that are just like, oh, we've never seen like like Clefairy. We think they all come from the moon. And I'm like, motherfucker, there's their Pokedexes. Like, you know what? <laughs> you should know what everything is about these things. Or, like, the Dragonite shows up outside the lighthouse. He's like, you're a new Pokemon. I was like, bro, look at that silhouette, dude. That's clearly a Dragonite. (laughs) It's big. I don't know what you want me to tell you, though.
0: It's just a really big Dragonite, yeah.
1: (laughs) This must be a new undiscovered Pokemon. I think he was British or something like
0: that. That was the scientist... Uh, right. Yeah. I don't even think it was Bill. It was yeah, like... it
1: was some dude from a lighthouse. And I remember it was a big deal. He's like, and hey, we think there's Pokemon from all over. And I'm like, dude, have you ever gotten on a plane? If you go to another place, you're going to see like 30 new Pokemon before you get off the plane, dude. It's like,
0: they're <laughs> everywhere now. <laughs> can you imagine just like being an adult in the Pokemon world? And, you know, you've led a... a, 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 a not even a long life. Like, as old as we are now. So... We're three times older than these kids heading on their Pokemon journeys, and it's like, oh yeah, yep, There's a, there's a fucking Kangaskhan herd over there. Some toros, yeah, and then and then the kid next to you's got his Pokedex out. Wild
1: new Pokemon. It was like, <laughs> like, I always got the play next to the fucking idiot. I and
0: mean, then maybe it
1: was Bill, huh?
0: It was just a really weird version of Bill. I remember he had. It was like instead of being, you know put through the teleporter with the kabuto or whatever it was he was just wearing a costume
1: yeah that's right Yeah, to be like released from it
0: uh, and then the kid looks at you and is like
1: we made eye contact so we have to battle
0: <sighs> My, I just want to go plane? I just want to go to sleep you little asshole
1: <laughs> let's battle now Scoop! there's plenty of room here go you cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: cr- kills five people. <laughs>
1: you immediately chose the largest fucking Pokemon
0: you could do. <laughs> and then the kid's like, how did I lose? I like, Well, I had my Pokemon journey 20 years ago when Pokemon retained their level. They never, you know, get weaker after not practicing. So, yeah, I've got my level 100 team. So sucks to be you, kid.
1: Yeah, eat my shit. rather eat Machamp shit.
0: (laughs) Anyway. Tetsu, 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 Tetsu is made of metal that has been hardened by fire, and so fire has no effect on him, and he's going to go and punch uh, Todoroki in the face. Uh, Todoroki has a flashback to his training with Endeavor, who basically is shouting at him, you can surpass your own limits, you can do it, you just haven't tried, remember this, you possess a hidden power greater than any other. And Todoroki's just like, well, I might think of that now. Crap. And that's the end of the chapter.
1: I may, for a period of time, need to almost recuse myself from having thoughts <laughs> of, on my hero. Because I I don't know what it is, but I am so just not interested in this stuff. And it's a shame, because it's Ingenium like, getting to do something, and I'm like excited for that, and I'm just like, Oh, right. He's fighting a dude who looks exactly like Saro, who's already a character I don't give any fucks about when it comes to class 1A. And then there's just know, there's a dude. It's just a dude and he spins a lot. And I'm like, this dude's a big deal. And then I don't know. He, has, he has
0: drills that pierce the heavens, Chris.
1: Yeah. And then it's like a girl who's almost exclusively going to be used to like have porn drawn of her and then Tetsu Tetsu, <laughs> which I'm kind of excited about, but like, I don't know. I'm just not feeling it for some reason.
0: I do understand your frustration with this because, yeah, it was fun when we had the Shinso fight and then, you know, the Yairozu team was, you know, not not as good as the previous one. And really, you're just kind of seeing a pattern here, which is like, this is what this character can do now. This is the new power that they have. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only point of any of these fights. It's just like, oh, look at this. Look what this guy can do now. And that's it. And we're getting that, we're getting that, uh, we've been getting that twice basically in each of these fights. You know, the first one had Shinzo's new vocoder mask thing. And then Suyu used her uh, slime ability. Then in the second one, there was Yairozu and Tokuyami in this one. It's Ida and Todoroki. And presumably, you know, there's going to be like, I don't know, Uraraka and Deku or, uh, and then there's Bakugo and someone else. I don't know who, but, um, and yeah, it's just he was like, OK, two people in class when I get to show off and that's basically it. Then either they win or they lose. And that's all that really happens.
1: I think it would be more interesting is because I, I do get the value in being able to be like, hey, here's Ingenium's new technique. Here's what to- Tokoyami can do now. But they always kind of like don't really get to do anything that cool in doing it. Like, Tokoyami kind of revealed his new thing and then kind of just got stalled out and, like, beaten through attrition, essentially. Like, he didn't get to do anything super mm-hmm. cool. It'd be nice if they had had these power-ups in, like, a fight against, like, a throwaway group of villains or something like that. Or something along those lines. So you can have these guys, like, use their power. And it's like, fuck, that's cool. when they win. And then that's sort of, like, your big deal. As opposed to, like, and Jim's like, I move super fast. And I can't control And he's like, I guess I'll... I'll move spin guy away and then i don't know i I may show back up i don't know
0: well and also you know in previous mini arcs that we've had like this like the provisional license exam like the sports festival uh when they're going on and it's basically just you know school activity stuff that's happening there is a point behind them there which is you know an advancement of these kids careers Uh, and their ability to become superheroes in the future and this one is just like well they're not doing it for anything they're doing it for bragging rights and that is it so nothing seems like it's truly being progressed other than uh just the kids power levels improved and that's fine you know you get some cool action scenes out of it but it's like okay but a lot of times in My Hero Academia, you get a fight scene that isn't just the fight scene. You get something else that's going on or it's for a purpose. I'm sure that, you know, for example, when this gets put into the anime, it's, it's going to be really exciting because fight scenes in My Hero Academia are always exciting. But yeah, it's not no, nothing is really happening here. So Let's move on now. Uh, I've completely blanked on what we're doing next course <laughs> That makes sense, wouldn't it? That would make sense that that is the next thing because it's always the thing that happens after. <laughs> I am professional podcaster. All right, it is chapter one, 286 a chef a chef I I just pronounced chef as chef. <laughs> a chef's price oh man <laughs> i'm tired still i gotta wake up all right so uh soma passed his uh his test by making the suicidal old man decide he wanted to live and not just have his last meal and shoot himself in the head uh and he looks around and uh he realizes that uh, only the small group of chefs around him had that theme for uh that their uh match so he looks over and he spots takumi who's got a bunch of kids surrounding him and uh, takumi says that his his task was to make a dish fit to be an infant's first solid food not only that i couldn't use any allergy inducing ingredients trying to scrape together a delicious dish out of what was left was really hard i got
1: a question has has shunseki ever seen a fucking infant before (laughs)
0: That is a large child.
1: Those, those look like three-year-olds, and he's just like, you've never eaten any solid food before? Like, no, sir, I haven't.
0: <laughs> he's just like really he's polite like, right. and eloquent.
1: If it's first meal, then, quote-unquote infant.
0: I reject this food choice. I should not be dining up on this dish. Bring me my bottle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: then Megami comes up. She's there are dogs behind her. She's carrying a dog dish, and says her theme was to create a meal that both the dog and its owner could enjoy together.
1: I wanna to see that contest. Why didn't we that get that sounds, one?
0: Actually sounds very interesting as an, as a concept. Um I will say, however, Soma fucking lucked out. <laughs> you imagine being a chef and then all of a sudden, I've gotta cook for children. I've gotta cook for fucking dogs. <laughs> at least when you know you've got the guy who wants to who's going to shoot a pop gun at you uh it's like okay at least this guy you know knows what fine cuisine actually is It's it's got a refined palate
1: i do kind of marvel at what the blue has apparently become which is supposed to be like this showdown of all the greatest like I don't know quote unquote young chefs that, there's a bunch of dudes in, in noir that look fucking ancient but it's like it seems to be mostly younger characters and to have them like show up and it's like we're now going to find who is the best of all of you but we have some leftover ideas from a reality show that we didn't get to use so we're gonna oh throw absolutely these, we're gonna throw these pitches out
0: first there are totally camera crews from food network all over this place they just haven't like panned over to them This is totally going to be like the next season of Chopped or something. Especially when you see the talent that they have next. This is right out of a goddamn cooking reality show.
1: I want to talk to you a little bit, Nick, about uh, Zumbo's Just Desserts. Zumbo's Just Desserts.
0: Zumbo's Just Desserts.
1: Desserts. It was a Netflix series. I just went down a rabbit hole one day and started watching it and riffing on my brother. And it's like... uh, I think he's Australian. I don't know if the show was Australian or UK-based, but it was essentially a cooking contest with the idea that there's a chef, Zumbo, and he's, like, one of the greatest dessert chefs in the world. He's incredible. He creates all these wonderful creations. And they they build it up as, like, he's almost like this Willy Wonka-like figure. They're gonna be like, here's the (laughs) mystical task you must make today. You must make a thousand little, like, donut cake, and you have to make all of them, and you know, it's all these crazy things. So you keep thinking as they build, and it looks like a candy, like a, like kind of a wonderland area, like everything's white with like bright colors around it. And then you sure. see Zumbo, and he looks like a child, like a child predator. Like he comes and he's like, welcome to Zumbo's Just Desserts, everybody. <laughs> We're gonna have fun. And I'm like, wait... <laughs> <laughs> so Wonka did this dude has no energy whatsoever he gives no fucks like they're just like Zumbo how did you come up with the idea of this cake that looks like a desk with an apple and a school tea? like well I remember what I was like as a kid and you know it kind of came to me <laughs> just, Like you almost expect like a, like an oompa loompa to like come like dancing by to be like isn't it fucking <laughs>
0: Zumbo wumbo doop doo and then someone's just like (laughs) you were distracted me from my work (laughs) 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 that
1: was my tangent to go on
0: the oopaloop has come in and start singing and he's just like this is very racist (laughs) (laughs) he's like
1: I don't feel like creating now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he walks out and for some reason just like, he, just wraps, he takes...
0: like, just wraps himself in a blanket and lies down <laughs>
1: like every step he takes streamers shoot out of his shoes like everything around him tries to make him out as this whimsical figure but he himself just isn't
0: <laughs> one of them tries to put like a jaunty top hat on he just bats it away <laughs> oh god everyone who has passed the first exam is allowed through the gates and they immediately spot a convenience store. And actually, in fact, as they approach, like the neon sign out front, like lights up, which is a nice touch. Goes, <laughs> so an adjudicator from the WGO comes out, and I swear I thought that this was just Alice with a new hairstyle at first glance. <laughs> she looks so much like Alice with a freaking blonde hair and all haughty and stuff. And so, she's a, uh, she's just a an asshole, you know. Just starts barking orders at people. We're introduced to her as Rantabi, and so she's like, "All right, everyone, pay a fucking attention. I'm gonna only say this goddamn thing once. Here are your instructions." Uh, and it's it's literally just like a Food Network challenge. It's just like you've got a hundred dollars that you can spend, and that's it to gather ingredients. And you're going to be judged based on how much your dish would be worth. So only the most return on investment is going to be to pass. So that's it.
1: I love love the fact that for this contest exclusively, and I think, I don't know if it's supposed to be that there's more gates, kind of like the way the first gate worked out, where like, You know, uh, uh, Mega Me showed up at a different game, a different, different challenge. That at least for one part of this section, they built a fucking convenience store. (laughs) The sole purpose of this guy, like this, clearly wasn't a convenience store that existed in the rest of this area. You don't know.
0: You don't know that, Chris. <laughs> the maybe they life. hold it. Maybe they hold it here every year, and they're and you know when they're not holding the blue, then the people who are there are just like, no, nah, we're just going to stick around. Use this as our headquarters. You can go down to the blue to the blue eleven. You know, any time a day. And, uh, you know, get yourself some uh, not-so-luxury-grade ingredients, which are perfectly useful in all of the cooking that we do. Yeah,
1: and then you get to enjoy the banter of the clerks. One guy talks (laughs) about how
0: he should be there today. It's just like the same assholes that are there year-round. So oh, it's that fucking blue, whatever. I don't give a shit. I don't don't get paid enough for this. I hate everyone and everything. Someone comes in and is like, where do I get, where do I get the truffles? <sighs> you mean Lindel truffles?
1: We have uh three of them for a quarter and a bin up here. I think they came in during uh one of the Bush administrations. I'm not sure which one.
0: Look, do you, what kind of cigarettes do you want? Okay. <laughs> I've seen every season of Hell's Kitchen. There's nothing to do for the other 364 days of the year that they're not holding this competition. I've got a lot of free time, and you are taking that away from me. So I've seen every season of Hell's Kitchen. Do you know how much they fucking smoke during cooking competitions? It's hideous. So. (sighs) Um... Everyone's like, I don't know what to do. I've never prepared anything with cheap ingredients before. I don't know what to do. But, you know, Megami and Takumi and some are just like, eh, all right, whatever. I guess, you know, a dish that's worth $100 is about what you find in French halt cuisine. So, uh. Uh, Some people are looking really upset, so Ranbari says like, I'm sure you've all heard this, but there are a lot of chefs who were given a bye for the first trial and they'll be joining you here in the second. So I've already explained the rules and the trial. The first game was just a warm up. So you better give it your all. It's like, OK, whatever. OK. Every single time it was like, oh, that was just as warm up. This is where it gets really serious. Every single time something happens. Anyway, someone's wearing an ascot, Chris.
1: <gasps>
0: it's Tsukasa. Only one idiot would do that. <laughs> Oh, it's Freddy from uh, Scooby-Doo. Okay. So, yeah. What's up, gang? It's Tsukasa from the previous Council of Ten. And Tsukasa's like, oh, it's you guys. Yay, I know some people who are here.
1: (laughs) I kind of like (laughs) this because you always forget... Then when he's not like this incredibly super competent chef, he's just such a wuss. It's <laughs> just like, oh, there's a guy in a scary clown costume. <laughs> it looks like there are a lot of thugs.
0: I've called the police five times. <laughs> I don't think they're showing up, guys. <laughs> It's like it's like the uh, the Soshoku K you know, some equivalent of just calling the cops on black people when you're a scared white person. There's a clown here. It's like, sir, we can't answer an emergency just because you saw a clown. <laughs> They're what? all over the cooking underworld. We can't do anything yeah, about it.
1: Yeah, like you just tell me, like I'm at the blue, and there's a clown there. They're like, well, oh, weird stuff's gonna happen at blue, sir. We can't respond <laughs> to all of it.
0: Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm going to stay in my car now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he actually specifically freaks out about the strange chefs wearing costumes and masks, which he has a point. They are people who are just fucking showing up like it's Halloween here. So um, he's worried, but he says, For some strange reason, I don't feel like I can lose. I think in these past few months, I've grown a little stronger. And then he starts getting, you know, really bold because he's talking about his own cooking. So he's he's cool. He basically just calls out someone says, hey, how about, you know, we compete first a seat against first seat and try and see which of us can make the most expensive dish between us for this contest. Um, so, OK, I mean, this is obviously, you know, not the primary goal that Soma has. Um, it's probably going to be more like that way early back when he competed against Takumi. Uh, when they were just both trying to pass, but they are like, oh, I'm going to make the better dish. No, fuck you. Um, but I don't know. If this were the chance, the point where Soma actually, like, demonstrated that he had surpassed Tsukasa, would you be satisfied with that? Or would you think, I oh, don't know?
1: Well, I'll say that this is actually a twist I really, really enjoy, because my greatest, like, sort of disappointment with the last arc, I was like, it seems like such a letdown that there was never a one-on-one rematch between Soma and Tsukasa. Like, their final match was in a two-on-two match where they weren't even meant to be the direct representatives against each other. Like, Tsukasa was the main dish as opposed to Soma was the appetizer kind of deal. Right. So having this come back up, I feel, is super important to series. Because I want to see a rematch between them. I do like Tsukasa a lot. So I think the main thing is if they decide to have it be this is where it is, or if this is a prelude. Because I assume there's some mm-hmm. sort of tournament that happens once they actually get into like the main Right.
0: Chamber. There's like three three more stages or something like that before they get to the tower or whatever it is. Yeah,
1: and actually having Tsukasa and Soma like in a one on one like loser leaves town kind of match at that point, like that seems really engaging to me at that point. Like I wanna see that. So if it does end here, I'll be a little disappointed. But ultimately, I'm just glad because it felt like that was going to be something that Food Wars just completely missed out on a follow up on.
0: Well, you know, maybe you could uh, have Sukasa. like uh, they're kind of one in one now, if you count the team competition, because Sukasa beat some of the first time. So maybe this could be like a, a chance for them to like draw and then they have their final rubber, uh, their rubber match in, you know, whatever perspective finals. And then that's like, okay, no excuses. One of on, one, on one like you said, loser leaves town kind of thing. So uh, it would be, be nice if we could get that, but no, yeah, I guess we'll find out. Let's move on to Eden zero Chris. This is a bad chapter.
1: This is a very bad chapter.
0: This is a like it's not. There are okay. There are parts of this chapter that I do like, small parts. But in general, just the vibe I get off of is just like, God, hero needs to just masturbate more. Okay, it's fucking gross what he puts in this series.
1: Chapter nineteen: geniuses at coming up with fun ideas. What the fuck does that title have to do with this chapter? I didn't read. She the says title. it later fucking stupid! <laughs> Alright, sorry. So, we start off, technically we start off on board Eden Zero, just so they could be like, we're coming Rebecca! And then we cut to Rebecca who's trapped aboard uh, an enemy ship, as her and a bunch of other female B-cubers are being taken away to the planet Gilst, where they're going to be, presumably like, sold into slavery of some kind. Uh, and we're we're introduced to the, the group of villains who we sort of saw last week. There's the tall one whose name is Ganoff. Who's got like, oh, he has no chin, but he's got like a creepy mustache.
0: He was kind and of a slug. a slug. He's a slug kind of looking guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's an odd little thing there. Uh, then Mosco, who, who we, I believe, we learned the name of last week, who's a little like, yes, yes. Japanese robot guy. I don't know what you'd call him, but mm. he's got a unique look. And then uh, Jin's the other guy there. So. Basically, Ganoff's being kind of, you know, cocky and, and, you know, using his superior position here to be like, We're selling all you guys. That means you belong to them. So shut up. Yeah. You guys are going to be all sold to Mr. Aliga. And I forgot that's his fucking name. When they say it out loud, it sounds kind of stupid.
0: Well, that's, you know, an important bit of information because last time we were like, Oh, I guess they're not going to Aliga. It's like, Oh, no, no, they are. They're just, this is just the in between part. So.
1: Uh, and everyone's uh, really upset because they're like, "Oh no! Like that's a planet of monsters." I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's their reaction. Oh no, we're being sold into slavery on a slave planet. That's bad. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> apparently one of the girls they kidnap looks like she's like twelve years old, and she's crying because she wants to go home. And it's as though Hero didn't realize he was up in the ante by being like, "Well, these guys aren't just sex traffickers; they're child sex traffickers as well." And you're like oh, why did we need to go there? (laughs) It's like, weren't these guys evil enough with the kidnapping people and and the legal and various incorporations?
0: It's one of the things where it's like the the implication, of course, from the beginning is like, oh, it's for sex, but you could pass it off as like, well, maybe it's not necessarily exactly that. Maybe it's just, you know, that's the subtext.
1: Maybe it's uh, something where he's like, women are pure and I turn them to stone for or, whatever reason. I don't know.
0: Or it could be like, you know, like a, a classic stereotypical kind of kind of harem thing, which is just like, you know, I need, you know, women to entertain me, not just, you know, sexually, but like, you know, they're bee, beekeepers, so they know, uh, as is brought up later, they know all sorts of ways, you know, to you know, come up with fun ideas and stuff. Maybe he wants them to specifically cater to him and entertain just him. Or, but...
1: Maybe he wants uh like female playmates for like his daughter. And his daughter's got like, you know, discriminatory tastes. So he's like gotta get a wide range of
0: women. Sure. But then <laughs> over the course of this chapter, Ganoff makes it very obvious is like, no, no, no. It is sexual in nature.
1: It's a hundred percent. There's no other reason, presumably, for it to happen. So that's a very uncomfortable thing. Uh, Rebecca jumps in, and between the little girls, like, "No, we'll be quiet." And she does it with like very defiant eyes. So the guy is like, "I'm gonna use my rope app to tighten the ropes on your body," and he does that, and she falls to <laughs> the ground because she's
0: selling f- women into sexual slavery. There's an app for that.
1: <laughs> and Rebecca, <laughs> as she's on the ground, right, he begins thinking of a potential B-Cube video she can make of this that would, quote, get her a decent amount of views, but might not be appropriate for a target audience. And I'm like, one, you would probably get a shit ton of views for it, but you'd not be uploading that to YouTube or B-Cube.
0: The only thing that I can think of is that I guess she is doing this to just kind of put on a tough facade, pass it off like that. Yeah, well, Yeah, whatever, you're not going to, you know, break me kind of thing but it does because there is no like actual uh it's not obvious that that is the case you just kind of you kind of have to read into it in order to make that conclusion i have to assume now she literally is just that obsessed with fame
1: yeah because she's already talking about it. she's like you know i'd lure them in with the thumbnail um Jin grabs the the app and turns it off he's like stop it you'll damage the merchandise and uh i forget handoff i think is his name i can't remember anymore uh like admonishes and he's like hey you couldn't even catch a girl so how do you order me around he's like i was interfered by someone u- with a man using a gravity air gear uh, air <laughs> gear, whatever <laughs> nonsense uh and then another unnecessary thing they shit on moscow because the girl he got is a bigger girl and they're like "Ew, fat chicks <laughs> And he's like,
0: Basically. "I think
1: she's cute," and that's yeah. to be the joke. And you're like, "Why don't? Why didn't we double down into so many things in this?"
0: Uh, he should have ju- He should have shot back with, "You got a little girl. Yeah, you got a child."
1: <laughs> uh, so uh, essentially, the, they all leave because they're like, "Yeah, well, enjoy," you know being slaves by <laughs> and uh, the other girls start Shh. to thank Rebecca for what she did and they're all like yeah and Rebecca's like oh I know all you guys you're, you're great and they're like huh what do you mean and she's like oh it would be cute." but they're like oh I'm sorry I had no idea and I'm like this fucking horse shit. As though every other is like, I know every other person in here. Fucking YouTube has so many goddamn celebrities, there's no way everyone in the room be like, I know everyone in here. And would see one person who they don't know and be like, they must be in here for something else. <laughs> they wouldn't just be like, oh, you're probably some f- like fucking Northlandic singer that fucking nobody like, I just am nowhere in that realm. Anyway, Rebecca's like, we should get out of here. Let's break out, working together. And uh, a girl with a bunch of tattoos is like, that's not possible. Uh, and again, it's someone Rebecca recognizes and is just like, no, no one's ever made it to Gilston, made it back alive. It's over. Your life is over. And Rebecca's like, no, my life can't be over because I'm going to leave the soccer cosmos and my life's just getting started. And we're all geniuses so I'm sure we can come up with a way to escape and,
0: okay yeah. this is the part of the chapter that I actually have the most problem with or would have had the most problem with if not for the very obvious like you're going to be raped for the rest of your life stuff that Ganto's gone off is saying so it lists their channel subscribers here mm-hmm. this makes no sense Chris <laughs> so-
1: Everyone has a bunch of channel subscribers except for Rebecca, who's only got 105 subscribers. And I'm like, that's fucking ridiculous. You can make anything and get 105 bots at least. Uh, but everyone else here, there's a wide range of people starting as low as 360,000 to all the way up to 1,930,000. Nick, she's a huge B cuber. Look at those numbers. That's a huge number.
0: She has the capacity to reach an entire galaxy of viewers and none of them crack 2 million. Are you fucking <laughs> shitting me? <laughs> how is that? How has Illiga heard about any of these people? Well, they secondly, also- <laughs> secondly, why was Rebecca even kidnapped if she's only got a hundred subscribers? no one should know who she is at all
1: <laughs> the thing I love is that she has 105 and she like parades herself around like a professional Bcuber I'm like bitch you don't get anything from 100 <laughs> <laughs> I don't walk around calling myself a YouTuber because we get views on YouTube I'm like no this is not a YouTuber if you have that many people 105 subscribers so fuck yourself <laughs> how do you like how does she live how does she eat
0: how does she have a spaceship? <laughs> How could she afford to go on x I know what will be fun if I go to this planet exclusively of robots. How could you afford that? What <laughs> bullshit? She didn't have a
1: job before this. What bullshit videos is she putting up that only 105
0: people have bothered subscribing at this point? She must have Patreon-like mad. Like, it's only 100 people, but yeah, they each donate $1,000 a month. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ! (laughs) Hero does not understand scale! I do love that
1: just about 2 million is the top of 2 million! (laughs) A number which isn't even that impressive on Earth. I mean, it is impressive. It's a big number, but there's people with like seven, you know, 14,000 or 14 million. Like there's not there's people with bigger numbers on uh, in reality.
0: (laughs) Like even if you just like look at the planet that they're currently on, you get the impression that it is like not sparsely populated. It seems to be crowded with people in typical sci-fi fashion. So that right there, you should have a population greater than Earth. B cube apparently reaches an intergalactic audience. It should be reaching potentially trillions of people. And yet, okay, I can understand Rebecca having only 100 subscribers, even if it makes no sense that she had the income necessary to have a spaceship to begin with. But, like, how are there people here that are being kidnapped? Like, oh, yeah, famous B cubers. Oh, you know, 300,000 subscribers. Come on. They're big deals, Nick. They have
1: 300,000 subscribers. Everyone knows of them.
0: No there are plenty of YouTubers that have, you know, 360 subscribe thousand subscribers that no one would ever have heard of. You know, like people I'm not gonna go you know, like shit on people It's like, oh, you've only got hundred. No, I understand like that's that that is a considerable achievement. You know, I've seen you know, there are people who have worked very hard to crack whatever milestone that they have reached in order to do that but freaking like if you're supposed to act like oh yeah these are the most famous people around Rebecca knows all of these people then they should be reaching more people than this that's it
1: like it's that notion of there's so many like I don't know if you want to call them communities but just like topics that people like would think of but you're like oh yeah somebody probably is like the big like woodworking we talk about it all the time like the yeah. woodworkers like there's a big deal woodworking youtuber i'm sure and they probably have a shit ton of subscribers you're just like but if you pull them out of that you just put them in a room with every other famous youtuber apparently no one's gonna be like that's john chad like john woodsman the woodworker <laughs> everyone's like i know him
0: i know i remember very distinctly uh that i had uh when we went to that mag fest and it was, uh, all the people from Tickwood were where, you know, the first one where there were like, you know, like 25 people from the site there, uh, it was crazy. There weren't there, you know, people were crowding into it. Everyone knew basically everyone who was on the panel and stuff, except me because, you know, whatever. But, um, then I walked outside after it was all over, uh, and I ran into a person who was like, "What happened in here?" I was like, "Oh, it was the uh, that guy with glasses panel." He was like, "Oh, I never heard of that site." Is that- because that's how it works. Like,
1: <laughs> oh, there's so much of that. There's there's no possible way that you could ever know everybody out there producing content. But uh, that's neither here nor there. There's there's still a good chunk of this chapter to get to. So yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's push on for a moment here. So we All cut right. back to the Eden Zero. And they're flying by. They're, they're they're going after Rebecca, and Pino is like, "Lady Witch, can you fix Master Happy?" And she's like, "No. I mean, he's not dying, but now." Uh, but she specifically notes if Sister were here, Sister is the life of Edens, and uh, she notes like, "Yeah, she's the only one with the power to heal, and she's responsible for uh, repairing all the injured vehicles or machines." I am the shield of Eden. So, my job is to defend the ship. And then there's also the sword of Eden's, Valkyrie, and the mind of Eden's, Hermit. And then she notes, you are the next generation. It may be that you will become the light of Eden's. Pina's like, the light? The light! The light! Uh, Then they're interrupted because Weiss shows up with the pot-leaf kimono lady from before
0: yes and
1: uh weiss is in a spiffy new outfit and
0: i've also joined the crew of Vastra Ast- <laughs> and uh,
1: the woman that he is with uh that is with him rather is hamor and she says i am hamor i am not your enemy and the witch is just like uh hey demon king you want me to get rid of these trespassers and I'm always like, you are the demon king? And then we flashback. <laughs> I don't know why this gets a flashback. This is the most inconsequential flashback possibly ever, where Weiss is walking along. And he's like, guess I'll go check out all these things going on, I wheels.
0: I hate the way that it opens up, because it's just like, I was just wandering around, and here I am at that guild Shiki was talking about. He <laughs> just says it out loud to himself. <laughs> He says <laughs> so much
1: out loud, which is weird, because that's supposed to be her joke. Yeah. Like he's reading the news, and he's like, uh, oh, multiple kidnappings of B-Cubers. And he's like, b wolves' Was Rebecca wanting b cubers," And uh, he he starts to like, wait, no. Uh, uh, come back. Oh, I hope they didn't get Rebecca. And then the woman next to him's like, Eden Zero. Did they just say Eden Zero? Uh, or no, sorry. She says Eden Zero. And Weiss is like, did you just say Eden Zero? And she's like, sorry, my character quirk is I say everything that comes to mind. It's not as interesting as you think it is. In fact, it's pretty unfunny. But I'm going to do it throughout this chapter and everyone's going to act like it's pretty crazy.
0: Well, I will say I I do definitely think this is going to get grating over time. But there is one particular moment that I do actually really like it. And it comes up in like the next page. So,
1: so. She's like, I. Ah. Oh, she thinks herself. But she says that loud, because that's her quirk. Uh, he must be a member of Eden Zero's crew. Oh, there I go again. She's like, well, What if I am? She's like, Would you kindly escort me on board? In exchange, I will assist you in rescuing your captured comrade, even if it should cost me my life. And he's like, What are you after? He's like, I can't say. But in truth, I hope to challenge a demon king. He's like,
0: that's the part that I really like where she's like, I can't tell you because my secret is that this out loud. And
1: he's like, you just did. And he's like, well, I was hoping to say good to the ship. You're a babe, so. And she's like, his gaze makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> and you're like, he's like, you do voice everything. I'm like. I mean, that's, like, a perfectly reasonable place for right, her to have yeah. said that anyway. It's just, yeah, you know she just would say. have
0: just phrased it differently. Just say, it's like, you... I don't like the way you're looking at you're me. You're a weird you know.
1: pervert. You're a creepy, yeah. weird pervert. And we're put to fight, like, evil, creepy, weird perverts, so it's weird you're an ally on this. <laughs> Whatever, I guess. Yeah. So he's like, All right, I'll get you in there, but one more condition. And Pino asks, like... Well, because the flashback's over. It's a very important flashback. He yeah. walked up. A woman's like, Eden Zero. And he's like, You say Eden Zero! won't <laughs> <laughs> join me on the ship! <laughs> and she's here now. <laughs> That's fucking it. And uh, Pino's like, what's the other condition? He's like, it'll come after we save Rebecca. Will She's like, I have accepted my fate. And I'm like, I swear to God, if it's, like, a sexy calendar photo shoot or something, like, I would be so...
0: I guarantee angry. you it was, like, he just asked her on a date or some shit like that.
1: Some nonsense. Uh, but there's a whole thing where she's like, you know, which is like, I can't let you kill uh, the Demon King. She's like, I don't want to take his life. And my goal is secondary for right now. I want to rescue your comrade. And they're like, oh, well, that's cool. But, you know, it going be pretty dangerous. I don't know. She's like, I... From a tender age, have been honing the power of my ether gear. Shing!
0: And look at my look at my panties. Uh.
1: And everyone's like, "What is crazy?" <laughs> well, I don't know why in my mind. Weiss didn't ever ask about like, "Can you handle yourself?" <laughs> so he's shocked too. He's just like. <laughs> Like, I imagine you're just like, all right, team, we need to get inside. Terrorists are holding the hostages at five point, bull point. I brought Giselle Bunchin along. She's going to help. And since she pulls out a run, he's like, you can shoot things.
0: You can actually help.
1: What did you bring her along with if you didn't know she could fight? Oh, God. We cut back to Gilst. Uh, They're chained up now and they're, they're leading them across the planet. And uh, we see like a young girl's like, ah, help. And then she falls to the ground and like, must have escaped from the underground gang. Well, don't want to end up like her. Don't worry. Mr. is a nice guy. He's going to give you a tip. When he tells you something, always answer. Yes, sir. Then shake that booty and kneel like a good little girl.
0: That's where the chapter ends. That's
1: the end of the chapter.
0: (laughs) That's the creepiest goddamn thing. It's this series is fucking gross. Okay. Like I, I, we keep, we've we been you know kind of banging on it for the last few weeks as it happens more and more, but this was just like, Oh, come on, dude. It's. It's cheap, you know, like I know that it's meant to gross you up, but it's like going this far with it is just like, Oh, come on, dude. It, you don't need to do that.
1: It goes a little beyond it because it's not even meant to. It would be one thing if it was just meant to gross us out, but it's almost 100% guaranteed that hero enjoys it and finds it sexy. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Like, use your, you know, fiction mind, whatever you want to do, whatever. But it's when you portray it like this and you're like, I bet you find it sexy, too. And I'm like, even if I did, this is not the time nor place for this. (laughs) Like, I don't know what you need. Like, what are you going for at this point?
0: Well, the series that that we are currently working on reading is Goblin Slayer. And the anime that's out for it is controversial because it raises up the the idea of, you know, rape and stuff. And it's one of those things where it's like, you can argue, it's like, oh, no, it's meant to be, you know, like uh, dramatic when all the rape happens and stuff. It's like, yeah, well, then why is it portrayed as titillating? Why do you keep on, you know, focusing on, on these shots of these women being raped in a way that's meant to, you know, specifically be... You know appealing and stuff this is the anime uh, specifically i'm I'm just talking about the conversation that has happened as a result of it it's like you can't have your cake and eat it too sort of thing you can either portray this as a very unpleasant thing or you can do it you know for just like the pure just sex appeal of it but doing the latter while saying oh no no it's much more tasteful than that this is you know for purpose well well you know doing nothing to discourage all the people who are, you know, getting their dicks out over it is, its it just makes it all the grosser than if you just did it for pure sex appeal to begin with.
1: The, the, one of the issues I have with this, and I don't want to go on too long because I know we have a lot of this series, but mm-hmm. I just find it like, you create an evil villain group and you're like, How do we make them evil? Oh no, they kidnap women to sell them into sex slavery. And you're like, Okay, that's a very evil thing. And they're creepy perverts. Like, and you're like, Okay, fine, that's that's an undesirable thing. But then like you have the heroes show up and like one of the big hero and reinforcements a creepy pervert. is yeah. like a creepy <laughs> pervert and then it's this girl who is used for like weird moments of kind of sex appeal at points. You're just like it's just a weirdly uncomfortable kind of thing where you're just like, I don't know why is this guy much better? Like, I know why. I know that he's also not in this group kidnapping women, but you're just like, it's not a great look when he's part of your team too. And He's just like, oh, I can't wait till we finish this mission and I get to I get to mow your lawn or whatever bullshit weird thing he decided to, like, make the condition of all of this. I don't know. Like, when he, when, in the previous arc, he was joking about taking pictures of Rebecca Compromise so that he could sell them. You're just like, he's not that much better of the guy.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that also, you know, does nothing to actually, you know... Uh, make young men understand like what is unacceptable behavior is oh no he's not really bad he's not selling them into sexual slavery see it's fine to act to behave that way it's like no it's it's not they're both unacceptable it (laughs)
1: normalizes this idea of like you can mm -hmm. be shameless and sleazy just as long as you aren't sex trafficking
0: yeah yeah drawing drawing comparisons like that is is harmful so anyway Speaking of weird se- of weird sexual fan service.
1: Uh, I think that's leading us into question 86 of We Never Learn. Yes. The Star of Ultimate Love and the Name of X Part 2. It's basically starting to sound like a world trigger to my heart back to <laughs> <so. laughs> Uh So we start with Uega coming home and his little sister is like, welcome home, big brug. Uh, big brug. Big, bro,
0: big bro. Whatever.
1: <laughs> would you like dinner first or your bath and she's so busy like being cutesy that she's like got her eyes closed the whole time and she's like would you like and he's just like oh hey Rob <laughs> Firmino and she's like what and she's I don't know if she's so angry or if cosmically the universe had it happen where her fucking soup spoon bends over at anger
0: it's called a ladle crisp <laughs> I couldn't tell from
1: here I couldn't remember if it was a ladle or a soup spoon it looked like a big spoon whatever Anyways, uh, like, we flesh cut to them having dinner, and the big thing is that, uh, Uega's mom's just like, well, I understand the situation, and I'm sure your family has its own educational values, and I don't want to take sides, but I won't ever let our sweet Fumi-chan be tweeted this way! You have my consent! You're welcome into our home until your father calms down! And, uh, that's the thing. Like, they're like, yep, that works. Uh, so... Flash cut then to Fumino in the bath. <laughs> and she's like, wow, this is crazy. I I can't let, uh, you know, Ogata and uh, Ruka hear about this. And then we realize that she's sharing the bath with Duega's little sister. And she's like, why are you bathing with me? She's like, because we're poor and this conserves water. You fucking princess. <laughs> she, then the little sister's like, I feel bad for you, though. You know because my big brother's a big boob man, and I'm like, that's a weird thing to say as a little sister
0: <laughs> the joke is always the the joke that always has always been that she's a broke on. so yeah.
1: uh, but Firmino kind of decides that she's like, no, there's no need to worry because your brother and I will never be involved like that, and she's, she's thinking of Ogata and Uruka in that moment and I still kind of do really dig this angle they're going with here I'll be curious to see where that eventually leads to Uh, then there's, like, a bunch of old small stuff, like, she's wearing Uega's clothes because they're the only clothes that could fit her, because I guess it's solely because her, like, the little sister's chest is too big. I don't know if it's because she's supposed to be that much smaller. You'd assume that wouldn't matter, but...
0: I think it's a matter of, like, she's also shorter.
1: Yeah. It still feels like that, I don't know. Uh, they're, they're like, brushing at the sink and, you know, like, washing their face and Uega just, like, huh, kind of feels like we're newlyweds. And she's, like, why would you say that? he's, like, oh, I don't know. Oh, god. And I'm using the same toothbrush you just used. Is this, like, an indirect kiss? She's, like, stop talking about this! (laughs) (laughs) Alright. Uh, they're, they're studying then afterwards and, uh, you know, She's, she's apologizing. He's like, oh, because the interact kiss thing? Forget. She's like, no, stop bringing it up. She's like, no, I mean, because of my family circumstances, they're causing you so much trouble. And he's like, yeah, well, I guess it was a bit surprising to find out that both your parents were mathematicians. And she notes that in particular, her mom was considered a genius of mathematicians. They said she had the potential to solve the Millennium Prize math problems and everything like that. So it was a really big tragedy when they died. And they go to her funeral where it shows the father over her casket, talking about like, You could have changed the world. Why did you die, leaving me a mere ordinary human? And then cut over to little Femina, who looks like she's like eight years old at most, being like, Daddy, look, I did a good job in my math homework. And he smacks her, and you're just like, Jesus!
0: Well, you I- look it's 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 freaking heartbreaking because like you look at it and, and it's like she you know answered like Every question wrong, and he just ah, slaps her across the face. It's like, oh, oh, you poor girl. It's
1: <laughs> so brutal. This is a nice touch. I kind of like though. Is we see that she's wounded on a cheek, and then we cut to the next scene, and that same cheek is the one she's mm-hmm. on your way go with. It's a little, a little cute touch. Uh, and she's like, oh, my God, <laughs> we're all we're super late. Everyone's going to be super weirded out. if They see us coming in late together. And like, well, we could just explain the situation, can't we? No, we can't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, she doesn't want anyone to know that she's staying with him. So,
1: no, I totally get it. Uh, there's this whole thing there where they're changing in between, like, they're in a woman's locker room and they're changing in between, like, P class and, uh uruka's like hey weren't you wearing that camisole yesterday she's like uh no it's, it's similar it's very similar and she's like uh hey you smell different too did you change your shampoo she's like no huh and ruka's like i really like this shampoo what's it called and she's like fuck off
0: <laughs> i actually do like that detail It's like of course kifumi had to use uiga shampoo so ruka's like oh, you smell like something i really like so yeah
1: so, they go to uh, Fumino's place to actually get some stuff so she doesn't have to wear goes old clothes. And he's, like, strapped up like a, a, like a mule. Like, he's got, like, bags over bags on top of him. And he's just like, do we really need more? And she's like, I mean, just a bit more. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> I don't know what she's like, assuming. She's like, I might just, like, set up a small clothes shop inside your house, too. <laughs> uh and they're heading out and he's like we will bump into your dad will we she's like nah he's almost never home this early
0: and, no, no. Uh,
1: yeah and he's like hey is this what you really want she's like well i just don't want him to see my face right now besides even living in the same house for the past 10 years he's never looked me in the eyes ever since and uh before they could do anything else of course the dad shows up and he's like hmm
0: I, I actually do like the detail because, you know, the door goes and so they look around and know is like, kachak? <laughs> it makes the sound effect.
1: <laughs> and the door opens and of course it's her dad and he's just like, hmm, I thought I heard a sound but I must have imagined it. And we see that I think they're inside of like some kind of like cabinet drawer. Yeah, because there's books on top of it. So it must be like some kind of cabinet kind of deal they're inside and Eureka's thinking he's like isn't it way more sketchy if he finds us like this
0: and she's like shut up why did they have to hide <laughs> it would be totally normal if you decided to move out for you to come back and grab some of your shit like seriously <laughs> Um, I feel like this chapter was kind of held back by the trappings Sort of thing. He was like, oh, yeah, we're just going to put a bunch of jokes in here because it's like, hey, there's a very dramatic scene right in the middle of this goddamn chapter of her father being so overcome with grief that he actually slaps his daughter and apparently hates her for the rest of her life. So maybe it's not, you know, as important to make jokes about how Fumino's flatter than Yuiga's junior high age sister. Like, come on. Yeah. and.
1: I I always applaud We Never Learned for going in more kind of serious routes with some of its characters and dealing with, like, more complex situations that we seem to get out of a lot of harem series. But it does, I guess, fall into that pitfall where it's like, hey, I am a comedy harem series, so every chapter I do need to throw the jokes in a little bit.
0: like Gotta Gotta put in that bath scene. Yeah, I mean, Gotta put it honestly, in that changing
1: scene honestly, that doesn't bother me as much. But as you said, yeah, like when it's a chapter that's full of so, like that, just full of like a really heavy emotional scene for Fumino like that. And you're just like the next scene is just like in a girl's locker room as they're all changing. You're like, oh, of course it
0: would be. I do have to wonder if they're actually going to address the mistakes that Fumino made, because it's like, you know, Kids aren't just aren't just stupid. I have to assume that there is some sort of like internal logic that Fumino's mind was working on when she was answering her questions and stuff.
1: I mean, it looks like a lot of them I don't know how old she's supposed to be. Like so like one of them is like three minus ten minus one and she put twenty-one. You could easily think like, oh, she thought three thirty minus ten plus one. Plus one, yeah. Something like that. I don't know. If she's supposed to be like Second grade or something like that, but like, yeah, I could see a second grader making that mistake or something like that. They're just not very like focused on math or whatever. But I don't know, it'd be weird if she's like, no, nope, that was me in sixth grade.
0: <laughs> well, then there's also like twenty five plus two equals twenty eight, and it's like how does, what, how does that make sense? You know, she it's...
1: just didn't do the math right, like just bad at counting.
0: Yeah. And uh you know, it's one of those things also that I I do hope that they bring up is like. Well, of course she didn't do any better at math. Her wonderful math professor teacher of a father told her not to try. Like, fuck you, dad. Don't slap her across the face for doing her best.
1: It does paint the dad in a weird light, too, where he's crying over a thing like, You could have changed the world! Why did you leave me behind? I mean, it also makes it a little bit weird that he treats Ogata in the same way that he seems to have the same reverence for his late wife, but... We're going to ignore that. For
0: now. <laughs> it's going to be weird whenever they have their, you know, coming together moment, isn't it? Because I can only assume that that's going to be what eventually happens, like, or they make amends with each other. And it's like, you it's some pretty heinous shit, dude. You better have, like, a really strong case for why you acted that way, dick.
1: It'd be nice to see that since we're already seeing a story in Jump about, like, an abusive father trying to get, like, a change of heart to be like, can we take some steps in that? direction and realize like the one thing you can't do is immediately absolve them but yeah, yeah we shall see
0: let's move over then to dr. Stone It's z e equals 81 fingertip I can't be the only person who uh, at the start of this chapter when uh, Senku is like picking his ear out with his uh, ring finger looked at his bloody pinky and thought did he actually cut it off oh God. He did not, by the way. It's very clear in from what happens later in the chapter. But anyway, uh, Sukasa, having suffered the wound to the chest, uh, is now fighting with Senku against Yoga. Uh, so it's Senku who can't really fight, and Sukasa who is heavily wounded, going up against a completely healthy Yoga. And they do a little fist bump as they get ready for their confrontation, and Yoga's like well, I'm not going to let you figure out a strategy because that would be bad, so yeah! And just charges in. And of course, Tsukasa starts uh, trying to hold off uh, Hyoga while like, Seki runs off to do something. Um, and, uh, There's, you know, just like some exchanges of blows between Sukasa and Hyoga, and while that's happening, Senku has set up this gunpowder trail leading from himself over to Hyoga, and uh, he lights it and uh, causes an explosion basically right in front of him, uh, which uh, Hyoga counters by whipping off his cloak snagging it on the tip of his spear and slamming it down to the flames in order to smother them and he's like and check me out now i'm shirtless and i still have my mask and scarf thingy somehow my enormous <laughs> collar <laughs> but like, like he made that separate from his freaking cape <laughs> i'm
1: like i feel as though that's the most intrusive part of your like your outfit why would that not be i know that Obviously you want to like get rid of the fire, but I think he's like, good, now that cloak won't get in my way as he has like these enormous fur collars and shit like shooting off.
0: <laughs> it's really oh. hard to see through this in my long bangs. <laughs> <laughs> my visibility is, is comparable to that of a football player. Come on. So then Hyoga stabs Senko in the chest. Oh. And that's basically it. Yeah, bah, knocks him f- yeah. flopping head head over t- uh, toe. Uh, after that, head over tit, <laughs> head over
1: tit. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm trying to think, like what would that even be? You're just like I don't know. I guess I just hit eh, head tit, head tit, head tit. <laughs> I do 450 splashes essentially between each <laughs> Uh
0: Sukasa runs in and does like his his Street Fighter combo, uh, wailing on on the. Uh, Yoga with all sorts of combinations, but Yoga is holding him off with his spear. Uh, he manages to land a, to almost land a counter blow and kind of knocks Sukasa to the ground while he's holding the tip of the spear to prevent it from plunging into him again. And Yoga says, uh, it's "Like, come on! I mean, I, you know you can't win because I put a hole in your lung. It's it's clearly fatal. So why do you continue to struggle when your death is inevitable?" And Sukasa says, I'm not sure, but if I had to guess, it's because I want to keep fighting, even if it's for just one minute longer. That's how fun this is, this final fleeting partnership. And so is like, Well, playtime's over. And uh, he presses the spear against Sukasa's throat uh, while Senku crawls back in towards them. And uh, Yoga notices that he's holding his pinky finger out. And uh, he's like, oh, he's got bandages wrapped around it. Oh, they're from the stuff he caught off, I caught off of his wrist earlier. And Senku says, like I said before, my science is going to knock you out with one touch from my finger. And he looks closer and he sees that there are these two metal prongs uh, stuck on the sides of Senku's pinky finger. And he realizes... Oh yeah, how did you light the flames earlier? How did you ignite them? And he looks closer at the hole that he put in Senku's chest as his shirt kind of falls apart. And Senku says, These are you know, primitive science is pretty slick because modern lithium batteries would have blown up from that stab. But good old tough manganese batteries are great for both offense and defense. And he's, like, stacked manganese batteries into, like, chain mail over his stomach. Um, so he used them to create a spark to light the gunpowder earlier. And now he has a bunch of batteries on his chest and um, prongs sticking out of his finger. And Hyoga realizes, oh, shit, um, tries to pull away from Tsukasa, who won't let go of his spear for some reason, Hyoga keeps on pulling at it instead of, you know, letting go and getting away. It's his super sweet pipe spear. He could just. Uh, this is my only spear. I didn't pick up the second one earlier,
1: Nick. This would be like Tommy Dreamer comes at you with a kendo stick and you grab it. He's not gonna let go of that kendo stick, Nick. That's his. That's his identity.
0: <laughs> but you put three more kendo sticks in that trash can when this you got is the right. One I like. This is my favorite kendo stick. This one has my name on it. Why didn't you put your name on the others, too? I ran out of magic marker. ECW has no budget.
1: He's like, what, do you think I'm made of magic markers?
0: Well, clearly you're made out of kendo sticks. Uh, Anyway, Senku says, here's a little scientific present from me and Tsukasa. A 100,000 volt stun gun zap. And he sticks the prongs on his finger into Yoga's leg, and Yoga is electrocuted. And that is the ends of the chapter. Yeah. Very so good. that worked out pretty well.
1: Very good chapter. I guess we'll see. Cause the way it sort of says it there seems to indicate maybe uh, Senku kind of realizes Tsukasa's, you know, sort of living on borrowed time right now.
0: He says, Yeah, team up with you was fun for me too. Yeah. Kind of saying like, Yeah, I understand that this partnership is kinda of over after this. So. so we have
1: a lot of people trying to let us know that stabs to the heart are not as fatal as we might think. It's a very Well he
0: wasn't thing. stabbed in the heart, and it was established that it is fatal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I don't know. We shall see.
0: Even if he didn't get stabbed and stabbed in the heart, it's like, okay, but he just it was established that instead he was stabbed in the lung, and then he got up and did a Street Fighter combo.
1: <laughs> that is great. I do love that description of it too. Whatever fucking Ryu says when he spins around.
0: Uh that was a fun chapter, though. I do like the way that Dr. Stone does fight scenes. Always adds a, keeps that cerebral element to them, basically. Oh. But all right, that is going to do it for Dr. Stone. Normally at this point, we would move on to Seven Deadly Sins. But Crunchyroll didn't post the Seven Deadly Sins chapter this week. I'm guessing that we'll probably get it like back to back or something like that next week. Because oh, there was a chapter, but there.
1: All right. Something to look forward to next week, then.
0: The never Neverland instead, Chris, which basically I can sum it up in about three sentences. Emma says we should eat. We shouldn't go and investigate the explosion because then their sacrifice would be in vain. And some little shits are like, let's go. Sacri- let's go investigate it so that their sacrifice is in vain.
1: There's there's some small stuff like they note like, oh, we got a, a call. Before they attacked, and it was a twenty-second recording from Mister Minerva, and they're like, "Oh, is he alive?" Like, no, it could be a recording, and or it could be whole...
0: someone claiming to be Mister Minerva.
1: Yeah, they have a whole sort of like thought process on that. But yeah, you, as you mentioned, the big... should
0: we should we follow it? Should we go to those coordinates this time? Uh, you know, and that's there's a long conversation between Emma and um, he's supposed to be important. Hang on. Oh, <laughs>
1: It's n- it's not Lucas, but Lucas liked him a lot.
0: <laughs> Oliver. And he, and he, yes, that was his name, Oliver. Oh,
1: thank God.
0: Oh man, that wait, gonna, wait for that, Chris. I'm not gonna lie, that wasn't gonna keep me up
1: at night, but I'm gonna pretend like it was going
0: to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was his name? Oh, I don't care. <laughs> I can you,
1: I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna remember the name of the two characters who try to leave at the end, and I am never going to be bothered by
0: that. <laughs> only two of them get names. There's a total of four of them, but only two of them are named because they're like, "Are you sure that this is what you want?" Alicia, and Dominic, in case you forgot their names. Yes, characters who aren't important enough to even get names in this conversation.
1: I like that Panda Bibble in the chat tried to give us a quiz, uh, like trivia contest to see if I can remember the name, because he posts, can we have a name please, sir? And I'm like, am I supposed to get Oliver Twist off that and be like, oh right, of course it's Oliver. <laughs> like, he's like, I could tell them, I'm going to make a game out of it first. I appreciate that.
0: Um, and it, then, yeah, we see at the end that just like Ray and Emma were saying, he's like, no, if we leave, we might get found out. They could trace us back here. Andrew was just in the woods, had followed them far enough, and he's like, ah, that's where they are. And he's covered in blood, uh, blood's like leaking from his eyes. You can only see one of his eyes, so maybe it fucked up his face really badly. Um, yeah, so good job, you assholes.
1: <laughs> How is that? Oh. How is that fucker alive? He was in a building that exploded. And he He not only survived, he walked out, apparently, under his own power.
0: Obviously, he's a rogue, Chris. He made his reflex save.
1: Uh, See, I was thinking, he's like, well, I guess Crossbones survived a building explosion in Captain America (laughs) the Winter Soldier, but he still had to be stretched out on a gurney. And it took him a while to recover, long enough to use his big giant fist things that I don't know. I don't know what they were supposed to do. His big robot fists, but this guy does not have any of that advantage.
0: How do we ensure that he doesn't survive an explosion? Well, we'll we'll put him in a force field when he blows himself up. There you go. Yeah,
1: this time,
0: <laughs> he's death dead now. <laughs> Well, who knows? Actually, maybe Thanos has fucked up the universe. Oh, that'd be
1: great! He snaps back, and they're just—I'm actually back back now. (laughs) It's like it's like him, the cursed, which was just fucking Malakith's minion, and like I'm trying to think of like some other like boy
0: from the second Thor movie. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. not actually. I I
0: don't remember anyone from that movie, Chris.
1: (laughs) Not Malakith, not the villain though. His underling, which was just like a dude thing.
0: Okay, the other dark elf <laughs>
1: I only know because he was played by Mr. Echo uh, so it's him, it's Crossbones and I don't know, maybe Lash from the Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show I think he died so it's just those three that like the villain team's back <laughs> also,
0: right, also Whiplash from the second Iron Man that very well established character <laughs>
1: but they couldn't get fucking Mickey Rourke back so he's the time. He's been recast by Christopher Eccleston. And they're like, but he played Malekith. And everyone's like, no one remembers that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a single person remembers that.
0: Well then, well. Then <laughs> so are they going to acknowledge that or are they going to have are they going to have Malekith's Minion and former Malekith like you know, acknowledge each other? No, oh, no! They don't remember being in the movie. <laughs>
1: Cursed, Cursed doesn't actually remember who he is. <laughs> he's just real big
0: (laughs) we also we also got back abomination from the incredible hulk
1: (laughs) hey he's still alive in the mcu you know (laughs) we brought back omar you know, not <laughs> Michael K. Williams who played Omar. We're bringing Omar back, who's never actually MCU canon, but we're just importing him in. Despite the fact that actually, you know, if you watch the whole series, you know, things happen with him, but we're going to ignore all those to bring him into the MCU. <laughs> His power is shotguns. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, so... <laughs> That's the promised Neverland. Let's talk about Black Clover, Chris.
1: Okay, give me just a sec here to jump back up to Black Clover.
0: Black Clover
1: page 180 sharpened blades. And we get a cool kind of like double color page spread of uh, four of the captains, Fuego Leon, uh, Nozel, uh, Yami, and of course everyone's favorite heroic Jack the Ripper.
0: <laughs> I love how they're all using specifically blades, uh-huh. except for Fuego Leon, who's just got cell there. With him. I don't use blades. This is my power. Fuck off! I want to be part of the group pose. <laughs>
1: I do also like the way they play with depth in this cover spread because yeah. there's a lot like the first person, the first blade you see is the green one in front of Yami, but mm-hmm. that's not his. It's Jack the Ripper's, and the tallest right. one next to Jack the Ripper's is out It's just cool. Way.
0: You think that they're doing that, and Yami's like, "Hey, you're getting a little close there, buddy." <laughs> it's like, "Hey, Chief, you want to? <laughs> hey, Jack the Ripper, you want to move that back a little bit?" And Jack the Ripper's like, "What? What's the problem?" <laughs> you know, trust me, having blades around you, it's not like I wave them around psychotically.
1: <laughs> I. I know I make this joke every week at this point, but I really can't stress how insane it is to me that there is a heroic Jack the Ripper character who's a psychotic blood slice mage. It's so fucking weird to me. So, we start this week. uh, We found out that Langris has his, like, Ultra Spatial Shield on right now. So nothing to yes. get through it. And uh, Finroll shows up and is like, hey, you guys get out of here. I guess that was Finroll's dad, actually, who we saw before almost get eviscerated by that, like, big. Mm-hmm. But he, he survived.
0: I don't know how that Which makes sense because Earth. he was using spatial magic to try and cancel it out. But he couldn't do it successfully.
1: I just don't get how he's like how that piece of Earth is still floating there.
0: Space magic, Chris. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh,
1: so they're like, "Hey, we're gonna get you out," here. and then the one girl's like, "You come back alive, right?" And he's like, "I will, and I'll bring Langris with me." And the king's so- really upset. Sorry, go ahead. So cool. The king's really upset. He's like, "Why didn't you evacuate me fast?" <laughs> and then they set up a portal. He's like, "Fine, take your time, will you?" And Langris like cancels it. Like uses his magic. He's like, "No, you just stay tight. I'm gonna shave you into little pieces."
0: I like to think that the portal was just sitting there for a second and the king, like, took his sweet time, like, walking towards it in order to complain about it. Take your sweet time with you. I'll show you guys. I'm going to have a team competition and butcher you in every single match. (laughs) Oh, God. Like
1: the Ric Flair walk. (laughs) (laughs) Just like get to the goddamn portal.
0: <laughs> like, no, 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 you have to turn around in front of the strut. He turns around and walks back the other way. <laughs> he
1: starts elbow dropping his, his clip.
0: <laughs> he, take, he does like three turns. Like, it's
1: right there in front of you. <laughs> uh, so ja- so Jack the Ripper's like, ha ha. I haven't seen a guy like you in a while. You look like you'll be worth slashing up. And he uses death scythe lunatic slash are we sure this guy isn't actually jack Ripper and is secretly a serial killer because all of the signs are there (laughs) so he uses his death slice not to actually hurt Langris, because it doesn't work it just the spatial magic erases the wounds that would hit him uh but it cuts a hole in the back of the building which then knocks the clover kingdom king through and uh like uses that way to evacuate him. So he's like, now you're out of this by knocking you out of the building.
0: And then they established that he was not trying to do that. He was just trying to slice up yeah. Langris. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fucking idiot. <laughs> so Langris sets up like these, these giant spatial holes and he's like, ah, and he throws them at uh at Fenril and Fenril's blocking them with his. So they're basically having this kind of spatial magic war uh, it's kind of characterized as like orbs being thrown at each other but sure uh, and like there's a whole thing where you know the the two captains have to use their magic to protect themselves as well so like Yami has to use a black hole to suck up a couple spatial magics and Jack the Ripper uses a uh, reinforcement magic to boost himself away uh, and they fire off their attacks they're they're, they're trying to combat him but... Yami's like, unless we do something about that defense zone of his, there's no way to get in close. But, uh, Fendril's spatial magic can't fully cancel it out. and a long battle, will be at a disadvantage. If we're going to pick a fight, we've got to make it a fast one. We'll just have to bull our way through. In order to do that, we need one more attack that can break through the defense zone jack's blades (laughs) and we get an introduction to the fact that jack the ripper is a fucking broken character it's just like
0: i can do anything with swords
1: (laughs) he's cut through all sorts of spells by transforming the very nature of his magic using his innate murderous instincts
0: (laughs) how do i kill this
1: (laughs) it's literally he's like i must cut things apart and that has made him the best mage ever (laughs) <laughs> so they're like and even though spatial magic is unique he has soon acquired a property to cut it that's <laughs> equal to spatial magic you're like why does anyone even have different magics <laughs> so he uses his magic to cut through like there's a big yami because uh, yami's attack could, you know pass through stuff because it's just pure darkness Uh, so they both use their, their different attacks and uh, Langris blocks it with his, his two automatic spatial things. And then they're getting, like, assaulted by a whole bunch of those orbs. And it's like, oh, no, what's gonna happen?
0: Well, they establish that they broke his defense, but then they have no more attacks to actually attack him after that.
1: Yeah. But then Fenril jumps in the way, and he's just like, yeah, my uh, magic can't defeat my opponent. But! And uh, Langris is about to be like, ah, I'm gonna kill you. But then it turns out Finral used his magic to teleport Yami and Jack the Ripper in super close to make them right there, and he's like, "I'll save you, and my friends."
0: This this last sequence was really difficult for me to follow, um, with the kind of you know repositioning and stuff that is required for this. It's you can of don't have the luxury to create this kind of this very chaotic everything taking up space on the battlefield thing, because it's like, where the hell is everyone in in position to each other? Because people get knocked around, and you can't really follow where they're being sent to, and it's kind of essential to know that with all this repositioning that Finral is responsible for. So I honestly had a really difficult time following the action of this chapter.
1: Yeah, there is a difficulty there. I think part of that, too, is innately just that, like, spatial magic shouldn't have like a physical representation to exist in that same kind of way so like a lot of the times when you're seeing stuff it's just kind of like generic orb sort of stuff at times so it's tough to mm-hmm. kind of see what's happening with all that at points uh i don't know i, I think the thing that I- people are saying that this is b- brought up before about jack's blades but it really does just kind of strike into that similar thing that's like black clover's characters are all so fucking like everyone could do everything it's tough to, like, feel like there's much tension in these moments when it's just like, oh, how do you fight against a guy who can erase everything he touched? It's like, because my magic can cut that magic now. And I'm like, oh, I guess I guess like five people could do that now. (laughs) doop.
0: All right, let's move on to One Piece. 923 Emperor of the Sea Kaido versus Luffy. Uh, last time, Luffy Versus got really, 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 really mad. Marks. <laughs> last time, Luffy got really, really, really mad at Kaido because he thought that he had killed his friends by blowing up Bowdoin Castle. So he punched him with his elephant gun and knocked Kaido uh, head first into the ground while he was still in his dragon form. Uh, so this time, um, people kind of just observe the fallout from that for a little bit. Uh, people are running away from the, all the destruction that this has caused because a massive dragon has just fallen into town. Uh, Shuten Mario is kind of observing stuff from a distance at this point, And he's like, all right, everyone retreat, because I've got a bad feeling about what's going to happen here. Uh, Luffy starts rushing off towards Odin Castle, wanting to go check on his friends. And he's like, please, they've got to be OK. But he comes across Speed, the centaur woman uh, from before that left with Otama. And uh, he's like, hey, wh- what's going on? Wh- 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 where's Tama? You took her home, right? And she says, along the way, Lord Kaido spotted me and I fought hard, but I couldn't protect master. Uh, And so now on top of his friends being dead, Luffy thinks that Kaido has killed Otama. Uh, And he just, you know, remembers her sayings like, you know, I'll never forget the flavors I tasted today because of what you've done for me. And he just he thinks to himself, I should never have left her alone. Law catches up with him and says we've got to get the hell out of here we've got to we've got to flee uh he might not have even realized what just happened you're gonna ruin our plans and Luffy says well if i destroy him now it's all over anyway uh we don't even know if kinemon's crew if if my crew if your crew if anyone is alive so i'm just gonna end this here and now um so he challenges kaido as he starts to get up kaido's clearly still drunk and uh just calls them the hell out. Uh, pretty badass little shot that I wish had been given a bit more space to really be impressive of Luffy staring up at this massive dragon in the background. Yeah. Uh, and uh, kind of like, who the hell are you? And Luffy says, I'm Luffy, the man who will be king of the pirates. Kaido doesn't even say anything. He just launches his burst weapon
1: at him immediately. It is pretty awesome. It's just like, who are you? The male be king of the pirates.
0: (laughs) And so Kaido's like, ah, so you've come to Wano. Uh, And uh, we see that Luffy got out of the way of the blast uh, and also took speed uh, out of the way. He tosses her to uh, one of Kaido's men to get her to safety. And Luffy jumps right up into Kaido's face and starts launching his elephant Gatling gun, pummeling this dragon. What a bizarre sight to see, just like massive cannonball fist punching this Shenron-looking guy. Uh, And almost the rest of the chapter is just Luffy wailing on Kaido. He knocks him to the ground, which knocks him out of his dragon form. And everyone's like, holy shit, he just did that. Uh, and then Luffy transforms into his bounce man form, launches his Kong organ gun and just keep, continuously pummels Kaido over and over, knocking him for, into the ground until Luffy starts to get tired, basically, from doing it. And everyone's watching everything from this point. You know, we see shots of Law and Hawkins, Shuchin Maru all watching the fight. And then Kaido of just gets up. And he's a little bit angry now. So he just does this. Fo- we don't we don't see the attack. We just see the follow through motion, a samurai style, you know, so, uh, confrontation, follow through slash thing, except with a mace. And uh, he declares his attack as Thunder Bagua. Luffy deflates in midair and falls to the ground in a heap. And Kaido says, what king was that, boy? And that's the end of the chapter.
1: It's a supremely awesome chapter. It's an
0: awesome chapter. (laughs) So
1: I can understand why some people are like a little kind of maybe not crazy on this, but I, I really dig this. It's there's usually something along these lines in a lot of, like, One Piece fights. Like, I mean, there was, like, a sequence where Luffy would end up fighting the villain, like, once or sometimes even twice before he do it, like, with Crocodile and Eneru and um, uh, Luchi. Like, they, they all had, like, single fights beforehand. And it is it was cool to see, like, Kaido or Luffy show up and just be like, Kaido killed all my friends. I'm gonna punch him in the face! Like, even knowing that's the craziest shit to do right now. And it added so much more weight, too, when Luffy thinks in this chapter that he killed Otama. And yeah. just seen how angry he is at that, like, how, like, much he was touched by this, this kid, and, like, the brief time they spent together. And you're just like, that's fucking dope. Like, I like that Luffy was just like, no, I, I'm going to end it here, because we don't even know if anyone else is alive. So, I'm just Yeah, fuck, fuck the it
0: plan. I'm going, I'm going to punch him over and over and over, and I'm going to get revenge. And And because he wasn't thinking straight, yeah, his plan completely and utterly failed because Kaido is stronger than him.
1: And it really does, like, set up this notion of, like, how the fuck does Luffy beat this guy at the end of this? Like, this dude basically took Luffy out in a single attack, it looks like. Yeah. And that's after, like, taking this onslaught of attacks. Like, this dude... Fucking just tanked it, stood up and one shot this guy. And that's like, that's the feeling you're going to have for the rest of this arc is like, how does Luffy beat this guy? And I'm like, that's dope.
0: Yeah, because, you know, it's different from when uh, Luffy was getting his ass kicked by Katakuri, because in this case, no, Kaido took all of his super strong punches. He took everything Luffy had and then acted like it was nothing. So
1: And it isn't like, say, a or Crocodile, where defeating them was kind of like a puzzle to figure out. Right. He doesn't have a Lugia fruit, he has a Zoan, a very powerful one, but, like, he beats him in his normal-ass form, so, I don't know.
0: So yeah, awesome chapter. Very much so. We are gonna wrap things up, then, with World Trigger. World Trigger! Chapter one hundred sixty-six, Tomacoma Two, Part Twenty-One.
1: I love this series.
0: So, you thought that you got all the strategizing in the last chapter? No, nope. no, another full chapter of strategizing. Hey, 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 hey.
1: <laughs> at the last like double page spread, they're actually in the match. That's true. <laughs> by the way i've been rereading the the series proper to this point and i Eww. forgot how fucking amazing the Akoma squad introductions are when it's these giant strategy meetings and they keep cutting between like a uh og squad and tamakoma actually going through strategy like it breaks. you know what squad. i
0: like eggplant curry <laughs> and
1: it's, it's like a cut over and it's just like they're having deep strategy it cuts over to their squad it <laughs> just like i like the, they have a super cute girl on their squad that's very cool <laughs> <laughs> like, I, don't know, so I, don't, I don't know if we're going
0: to be in trouble if I have to fight her.
1: <laughs> it's just like, and then it cuts back, it's just like, uh, the spider strategy may not work this time, we need to figure out a new way. Chica really needs to, you know, use her power from a distance and it cuts over and he's just like, what the, What food's the cafeteria serving today? <laughs> it's like, I fucking <laughs> I love this squad.
0: <laughs> oh god. So... First, we see Tamakoma's strategy, of course. Uh, And Osama says right off the bat, so we're not going to use the wire strategy for this one. Um, And he just explains straight up, like, okay, but there's all of these buildings. uh, There aren't a lot of places that I could set up wires effectively. Every other squad has a sniper, so they'll probably just keep their distance instead of wandering into a wire zone. And if I, even if I do set up wires, then the opponents aren't going to play by our rules, which is something that confuses you when he says that. And Osama says, we're in last place out of these four squads. We need more points than all of them. And they know that. So if this goes into a defensive attack, we're going to have to be the ones to break first. We can't just sit back on this strategy. Uh, and... Uh, Because they have to, you know, be the ones to actually be catching up at this point.
1: They have to go out and get points. They can't just win be attrition or anything like that.
0: So Osama says, before we've got Hughes on our team now, and they don't know how good you are. So right now, the only thing that they know is that you use Kogetsu and you're an attacker. So what you're going to do is you're going to use that to draw them in, make them think that you're going to just use Kogetsu and then you use your secret weapon, Viper. And if you can take down someone from Kagura Squad, you'll be in good shape. But you have to decide exactly how you're going to do that. Strike first, make it count. And he's just like, okay, you got it. Um, and then they'll be like, beyond that, you know, we'll regroup as soon as the match starts. Uh, we'll have Kuga and Hughes earn points. Chica and I will provide backup with wires and lead bullets. So that's the primary strategy. But if it turns into an indoor battle, that's where Chica has to take action. And he just says, you know, Put yourself somewhere outside, work alone. Uh, It's going to be hard to be able to fire inside of a building. So, you know, uh, blow something up if we're (laughs) in a tight spot. (laughs) And Chica's like, "Okay, I got to align this chapter. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to be back. (laughs) Thanks for having me, everybody. Yay! (laughs) like that's all folks comes out and chica just comes out and doesn't say anything (laughs) just stares there into your soul uh so then we cut over to kaga yura squad fucking flies flying around here um so Zo so is like, why, what are they planning on doing with this map? Are they do, do they want to hinder the snipers by going indoors? And uh, Yuzuru points out like, well, there's also the fact that, you know, you've got Meteor. So, yeah. Blow stuff up. And Kaguira is also excited because he's like, hey, this just means more close-quarters combat. And so I get to slash people to pieces, just like my... My gr- The greatest superhero of our time, Jack the Ripper.
1: I always love reading stories about that guy's <laughs> heroic exploits.
0: He stopped all those people from committing crimes. Crimes like prostitution,
1: crimes like being alive and uh, being a woman.
0: <laughs> How dare women explore their sexuality?
1: How <laughs> dare that woman be alive and not slice to pieces?
0: This <laughs> operator's just like. OK,
1: <laughs> she's like, all right, I'm going
0: gonna... <laughs> to put in for a transfer now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm to tell HR about this. <laughs> yeah,
0: Kagura, he always seemed a little bit angry, but I uh, didn't realize that he was just complete psychopath until this exact moment. <laughs> uh, but she brings up the point uh, in the real world. Of, uh, hey, so what's going to happen with Yuzuru if, you know, this turns into an indoor battle? Are you going to try and shoot through the walls? And Yuzuru just says, no, I actually go inside and I'll provide support because uh, I can't really easily do that from outside. So they question, like, well, are you going to be able to do that? You'd have to, you know, be a gunner instead. And Yuzuru just says, like, I can't just, you know, stay outside. That it'd be playing into Susanari's hands. Like, I can't, you know, just afford to just stay out of this fight. So. I'm it's I have to be important and reliable and cool so then we get to Ozma squad and uh they're trying to figure out what to do and some of them are figuring out like oh, okay I want a grasshopper maybe we should change up our well, and um I forget the freaking duo's names I'll just be upfront about that I just forget who they are uh
1: they're not super memorable, like yeah. their characters are, but there's so many side characters. In yeah, that yeah, you can't remember all of them.
0: Uh, one of them points out though is like, is this really just like an anti-sniper strategy? I mean, it it suits Susanari, but it also kind of gives god an advantage. So is this really what they're doing? You know, just trying to counter enemy snipers, which is an interesting point to bring up. And I do like that. Is like, okay, well, maybe there's going to be. There's always that hint of like, maybe this isn't going to play out exactly how we're expecting. Um, so Osma says, like, so what you're saying is you feel like there's some sort of ulterior motive. And he actually encourages this because he says, you know, hey, that kind of instinct is important because you might be picking up on something subconsciously that you otherwise don't realize immediately. So cool teacher kind of moment from him.
1: That's sort of the big thing with their squad, too, is that Azuma is sort of this quiet mentor that lets mm-hmm. them make the decisions because he can see that they are growing and becoming much better. So, like, it was kind of a joke in the last one that they decided to be like, let's do snow because that seems fun. And it ended up being super significant. And Azuma's just be like, oh, they're learning. Even if it's unintentional, he's very impressed with their growth.
0: Yeah. And he's thinking about that privately to himself, uh, as, uh, we cut out of their group over to Susanari and, uh, their operator says, like, yeah, we're going to battle in the mall as much as possible. We're going to, you know, try and make the fights in small enclosed spaces and the shops and stuff. And then they're like, Taichi, you've got a stupid hat. Get to your designated location. Um and uh, they're like our strategy hinges on the one with the stupid hat so the other squads will be taken by surprise um, because all they'll be focusing on is that he has a stupid hat
1: I was like get that stupid hat out of here and they walk <laughs> oh aside. god
0: he's got a gun <laughs> <What>? <laughs> wait he's a wait he's a competitor I just thought that he was like some sort of NPC that you shot to get bonus points <laughs> Shoot me. I have a stupid hat. Waka <laughs> waka. Uh, so, um, but they say like, okay, it's, it's important that, you know, the rest of you chip in though, because this is only going to work uh, so many times if we just rely on tai Chi's stupid hat. Uh, so they're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to do this. And uh, everyone transmits into the match. Big old cityscape, uh, cool wide shots. Uh, cityscape set at night, and that's something that Ozma uh, takes especially notice of. Like it's at night, huh? Uh, but you know, everyone of course is scattered all around the place in random locations to begin the uh, to begin the rank war.
1: There's a couple other unique touches. Uh, Zoe does not have his trademark grenade launcher as last time. He actually looks like he's coming Good. in with like an assault rifle. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting to see. Um, it's worth noting like there's some people who have already been dropped inside, and a lot of them look like they're attackers, except Mm -hmm. for Chica, who looks like she's inside.
0: Chica's inside, yeah.
1: So there's some situations there that look like that might be a little bad, but I'm very interested to see what happens. I'm super excited. I'm I'm probably more excited for next week just to see these strategies start happening. Yeah, uh, and just see what happens. I'm gonna make a prediction here though, Nick. Hmm. So we know that there's one more match, and we know that Tamakoma needs to get a certain amount of points to be one of the top two teams. Yes. Osama was like, I have a bad feeling about this. I'm going to make the prediction that Tamakoma gets a good amount of points, but Kagayora wins. And they get enough Mm -hmm. points that they move to first. And the last match is going to be Ninomiya Squad against Tamakoma against Akoma Squad. And it's those hmm. guys trying to get enough points to beat Mia at the Namia squad again. All
0: right, that's a very specific prediction, so I won't hold it against you if you get it wrong. But that's very bold. So, but yeah, I'm I'm pumped for this too. Uh, even just like seeing everyone in their actual you know gear, heading around, it's like, oh, it's back. It's actually happening. <laughs> uh,
1: it, it is so satisfying to see it. I'll be really, I'm crazy curious to see what the series is going to be like when it's monthly. Mm -hmm. And we get like a full like Huge I forget how long monthly Chapters usually are like 30 pages or 40 pages or something like that
0: Pretty long Um, That
1: much of a big like Chunk of World Trigger at a time seems really Interesting
0: uh, Well Blue Exorcist is about 35 pages And that's one of the ones that we get monthly I believe that's going to run the same uh, Magazine as World Trigger So if that's anything you go off of Then that probably gets you a little bit of an idea very excited for that
1: yeah no super excited can't wait to see what
0: happens all right that's gonna do it everyone we are gonna name our favorites now a uh, favorite series and mvp chris
1: i'm gonna give my favorite chapter i gave it last week to world trigger so i don't feel as pressured to do it this time so i'm gonna to, right, right. to one piece this time actually i'm contemplating if i want to give it to we never learned I, i'm gonna give it to one piece although i really liked we never learned this week uh, just because I, I really do love how it was like such an action-packed chapter, and just that that awesomeness of just like boom, one hit KO Luffy's down kind of deal.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't feel nearly as high on We Never Learned This Week, so it, it's pretty easily One Piece for me. Even if it's a very simple chapter, it's just like I could not, I could not have imagined the confrontation between Luffy and Kaido going like any more appropriately than this. Like even if uh, Law had grabbed Luffy and was like, "We have to run now." And they actually left. It would be like, okay, well then Luffy just kind of, you know, gets one over on Kaido and suffers no consequences for. I it. was like, no, he gets his shit pushed in because he tries to mess with the king, and then he and then he he misses. So there you go. Uh,
1: for my MVP, I'm going to give it to Sakasa. Uh, I was really, really excited to see him come back. I'm really excited to see them potentially uh, actually fulfill that like matchup they had in there. So I'm going to give it to Tsukasa, to because that really was probably my biggest surprise of the week, was just be like, oh shit, Like I did not expect Tsukasa to show up, and it made me so much more interested in, in Food Wars right now.
0: Food Wars Tsukasa, by the way, not uh, Sukasa. Dr. Stone Tsukasa.
1: Yeah, I should have I like, clarified. I guess this is Tsukasa in a couple series.
0: yeah. Uh, mine is uh, Rebecca from Eden Zero because she showed tremendous bravery in the face of getting raped a bunch. And uh, no, no,
1: <laughs> she she, got, she struggled around all cute like when she was tied up. It was very erotic. A plus. Oh
0: God. Uh, I don't know, honestly.
1: You can give it to the great hero Jack the Ripper. <laughs>
0: Honestly, I might even give it to Black Clover as king for just having the most memorable, funny moment in the chapter. <laughs> um, yeah, i gonna give it to Ida. Uh, much as I was starting to kind of suffer from fatigue over the constant fighting in this chapter, I did really like just some of the internal logic that he demonstrated when he was going through the match. Like, you know, this is the best decision that I can make right now. He didn't get tunnel vision as he's been prone to before. He just made the wisest decision that he could possibly make in that case. And I appreciate seeing the actual human growth from him as opposed to just like, also I can run faster for longer now. So yeah, absolutely. That's going to do it then, everyone, for Weekend Recap this week. We want to thank you guys for joining us. Our show is available live on smashcast.tv slash and twitch.tv slash We begin streaming right around 7.30 Eastern Time on Thursdays each week, although sometimes we do need to change things up. And you can follow us uh, for updates on that kind of stuff by following at WMR Podcast and your individual hosts at RolloT and at Nick F. Time on Twitter. Be sure to check out our past episodes on com, as well as on YouTube and iTunes and the uh, subscription, comment, rating, all that good stuff so that you can help us defeat the woodworkers, including, Chris, I looked this up. One of the highest recommended woodworkers on YouTube is Steve Ramsey, who hosts Woodworking for Mere Mortals, which has 1,018,587 subscribers. And I have never heard of him, so that very well illustrates our point earlier about YouTube famous. So, uh... Be sure to send feedback, questions for our Q&A episodes, and suggestions for each manga for us to read. You can send that stuff to us via email, Yahoo.com But you can also do that stuff on our Discord, especially even recommendations. Ninja X3i has done a wonderful job documenting all of the recommendations that we've done previously, as well as keeping track of uh, recommendations that we are getting currently. You can look at that stuff. Uh, as well as uh, leave suggestions for like bonus stuff that we can do. He set up this entire Google Doc, and uh, we really appreciate the uh, help organizing that stuff. And uh, special thanks as well go out to our Patreon supporters. Your support allows us to create all sorts of fun bonus content for you guys to enjoy. And uh, to Steve Manners, Code Artist, and to Infamous Planet for the stuff that you do as well. And that is uh, gonna do it.
1: That's it, everybody. No song this week. What's that? Thank Nick you want a song? All right.
0: I'm going all right. to hang up the call.
1: I didn't even get to tell anyone what song I was going to do.
0: No, I don't need to hear it.
1: Somebody wants to know.
0: Well, maybe I can hear that one.
1: <laughs> you like, well, if it's a
0: classic. Well, if it's all-star. <laughs>